0: Welcome to the C3 Church Watson podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message.
1: Good morning everybody. Image of myself on the screen. I haven't preached into a mirror before. It's exciting. Good morning church. Great to see you and uh, we're Doing some shenanigans of our own here. Uh, we are talking about marriage a little bit today, and yesterday I was at my parents' house. We're selling our parents' house after they passed away. We've got got to do that. We're selling it ourselves. Anyway, I was meeting people as they're coming into view, and there was uh, one guy who came in and he qu- his wife was at home with a sick child, and so he wanted to c- have a quick look through. He had a quick look through. He got very excited. This is fa- house is fantastic. I-, I love it, and gave listed a 10 reasons why he liked it, and he said, I've got to get my wife here, and so he wrote home. He took over parent duties and sent her back, and then she came and had a look, and w- at- when she came out, I said, any questions, comments? Um, through my mask, of course, and... Uh, she was decidedly low-key, blank about it. Oh, yes, well, wow, some of the rooms are quite big. That was about as positive as she got. And I thought, you know, that's a great example of what I'm talking about here. And that is that uh, we are no longer two, we are one. And uh, this guy probably would have put down a deposit right there and then if the decision had been his. But the decision was not his. It's a two green light situation. And she didn't seem to have that same level of green light that he did. And here I'm reading in Ephesians 5. I better start my timing device, otherwise I'll get in major trouble. Uh, Maybe not major, maybe a little bit of trouble. Ephesians 5, verses 28 to 31. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church, and we are members of his body. As the Scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now, uh, some people have difficulty with this concept in marriage, that um, the two become one, and often it is the male person who seems to have more trouble with this concept and uh it's so they acquire this this new person who starts hanging around and oh it's fantastic because now i've got somebody to take the place of my mother they can uh wash my clothes they can cook for me i have food that i like just the way i like it whenever i want it and uh you know i've got this regular supply of sex whenever i want it and uh it's really just continuing on the same single life but now um i've got this extra person to sort of help me be the the uh the man that i have wanted to be no god's plan is different to that god's design intention was that two different people become one person they get a, a Uh, walk away from their old single self and become a new type of person they become a dual person instead of being individual we become individuo duo individuo that's like uh, when you get a, a bike you don't get two unicycles and bolt them together and now you've got a bike no a bike is a whole different creature it's a different device and when we become married, we need to get out of climb out of our old single thinking, our old single brain. It's not me and you, it's now us. It's not I, it's we. It's not mine, it's our. And we climb out of that that thinking and we meet our spouse in a new zone where we are no longer you and me, but we are us. Hopefully for married couples, we are doing what an uncle of mine always does. Whenever I ask him a question about what they've done on the holidays, what he's done, what he has done, I say, what have you done? What books are you reading? What shows are you enjoying? What holidays have you had? It's always, well, Joan and I, it's almost like one word. Joan and I and his wife Joan and he, he's always talking about we. And I love it. It's a great example. He's no longer just on his own. He is... Joan and I. That's who he is. It's Mel and I. Melanie becomes Mel and I. How about that? So that means that there's no longer my pile and your pile of stuff. Now we have a a shared pile. It's no longer a blue pile and a yellow pile. Now we have a green pile. And we put all those things. The more things that we pile together, the stronger our marriage will be. We no longer have two separate living addresses, we have one living address. We no longer have two separate families that we're talking about, and in-laws can be one of the the, um, flashpoints in a relationship. No, we don't have two separate in-law families, we have us, and we are our own unit. And we make up, put a barrier up, and those in-laws don't have the right to come in and tell us what to do. We've got our own thing we don't we no longer have we don't it's not like we have a couple of children and okay one of the children is yours and one of the children is mine no they're our children are you getting this are you getting this into your head Uh, because we do have guys in our church who don't have this worked out and i'm sure there's probably some ladies as well we don't have two separate lives anymore we have one combined life and the story of Yongi Cho, who sadly passed away, pastor of the biggest church in the world in South Korea. Um, once he, he was talking about how he had a, a, a bad attitude, a wrong attitude, wrong thinking about marriage. He would go and preach all over the country, all over the world. And he'd leave his wife at home for these huge long periods. And uh, she got upset. You know, I want to be with you. Well, I'm doing the Lord's will. I'm preaching. And you're, you stay here, I've provided you with a nice house and some money, go and buy something. But that is not a shared life. And he was missing it. And we can miss it if we have that, that, that same attitude of this is what I'm doing and you just stay over there. You share the challenges and joys Of life together. And that might mean giving up the all-day golf game or the all-day cricket because you want to do an all-day thing together. It might mean uh, giving up that job that takes uh, road trips of three months at a time or being away for three weeks out of four. It's not two separate agendas. It's not two separate agendas anymore about how you're going to raise the kids, I'm going to raise the kids this way, you can do whatever you like, but this is what I'm going to do. It's no longer two separate ways of making decisions or two separate decisions about which ch- a school the child is going to attend. It's a combined effect. You know, we know someone who, uh, when they got married, their wife, without asking or discussing it, just bought, Two little yappy dogs that she wanted to have sleeping on the bed every night with them. No decision. That is crazy. We know somebody who went, a guy who took out a $10,000 loan to buy a new car without talking to his wife about it. That is crazy. We make decisions together. We're, we're working together. We used to have a, a sort of a limit. I think originally it was $100 um, over, over which we had to agree before we spent that money. And money itself is a good indicator of how strong your relationship is. Do you trust each other enough to put all the money into one pool, one bank account, rather than two separate bank accounts? Put it in together and suddenly that does something to your marriage. All of these things produce a new person. They produce greater unity. Not two separate agendas. All decisions are based on two green lights, not just one green light. And I know I was offered a, a job that was exciting for me once and I uh, I got home from work and I went off to a prayer walk to pray about it. And as more I prayed, the more green lights went off in my head. It was like an Irish fireworks display with all the green lights that were going off. And I was so excited. I came home and I informed my wife of the decision, of the new direction, of the mighty vision. Well, she didn't have that same level of green. In fact, her green light was more like a, a red light. And, uh, you know, I would have been foolish to to just plow my way through that. And some of us sometimes we think, well, I was going to plow my way, especially as a guy, I'm the head of the house, I'm going to plow my way through. But the problem is that we would have got there and there would have been been fragility about our relationship just from the, the way the decision was made. It wouldn't have been that sense of unity. And when we are united, we're strong, right? We're stronger when we agree. When we have agreement, there's less chance of fractures. I'm so glad that we didn't go. There would have been, and it's turned out there's been a whole other other reasons as well why it was not going to work. But because we made an agreement together, that's where we got great strength. That's where a great future is built. Any relationship where one person dominates the decision making, one person says, well, this is the way it's going to be. You're going to create in the other person, you're not going to have a strong relationship, an intimate, as intimate a relationship on multiple levels for a start. But you're also going to create in the other person a resentment that's either going to want them to move away and to leave, or you're going to create somebody who's just shoulders down and just obediently complies, but they become a shadow of their potential. A shadow of who they are, and they're not going to be. They're not going to be able to have the confidence to share what God has given them, what God is saying to them. And uh, that's sadly the, the case in many relationships as well, where one person has just just decided, "Well, this is the way it's going to be," and I'll I'll just have to say yes and put up with it. And they become a timid, less confident, quiet person, which is very sad from their potential. A good relationship, a good marriage, doesn't have two separate individual rules about life. But they have agreed positions about things. You know, I lived with a a couple in America uh, and they eventually split up. He was ex-military. Not that that's a bad thing. But he had so many rules and efficiencies about the way he wanted his house to run. And little things became big things you had to make sure that you always squeeze the toothpaste from the end of the toothpaste, from the bottom. You could not do it in the middle or you'd be in big trouble. The toilet paper had to flow over like a waterfall towards you when you put the roll on the, on the toilet paper holder thingy. Or you'd be in big trouble. And eventually the wife just said, well, I can't live like this. All these rules, rules, rules. And they're not rules that I ever agreed to when I signed up for this relationship. But you have combined rules. Let's make up things that we both sign on for. Ideally, a good marriage has two sets of friends. Uh, It doesn't have two sets of friends, but has a combined set. Now, obviously, Melanie has some great ladies that she loves having coffee with on her own. I have great guys that I love speaking with, having banter and bonds with. But we also are building friendships all the time that we both are relating with. And that that combined set of friends also holds us together and gives us a sense of purpose. You know, without uh, unity, your marriage will be under extra stress. And it doesn't change. It's not something that you just establish at the start of the marriage. You need to maintain it right through. You know, as you things change, circumstances change, the, the income coming in might change, the kids leave home, what are you going to what decisions do you need to make together? We constantly need to make decisions together, and the agreed positions are always the best. And so, we need to get rid of this idea that it's my life and I'm making decisions, and you can sort of come along if you want. No, well, let's get in this together. That's where a true marriage has strength. And uh, there's a kind of joy, uh, and it's a joy. Join- where we link the the wood together. It's a dovetail joint because we know that the more surface area that is joined, glued or whatever, the the greater the strength. Here is another example here. Here are two books that I have woven together, page upon page. And uh, it takes an awful lot of strength to pull these apart. In fact, it's impossible for me to pull these books apart. In fact, if I just... Thanks. Thank you, assistant. If I try and shake them apart, they're not going to come apart because they've got so much surface area that is joined together. There's no glue involved. And if our marriage has uh, the, more, uh, the more pages, we're on the same page as the stronger the bond. And I encourage us all to identify areas in our marriage where perhaps we're not in agreement. Let's come to agreement and that'll form a stronger bond. God bless you and God bless your marriage. And here is my better half in my marriage.
0: (laughs) I need a microphone. Thank you, lovely husband. Um, Hi, guys. Here I am pushing a button here. That was great, babe. Thank you. And, you know, to come to agreement, we've talked about all sorts of ways to do that uh, in the previous weeks in our relationship series. You know, all the communication stuff, the conflict resolution stuff. So let's do that because it's very, very important. So Paul and I um, were... I think. And like every marriage, it has been a journey... We are not experts. Um, we are still learning, and we are still growing because that is the journey of life. And in this type of message, we will generalize. In all the, all the messages that we preach, we actually generalize. Uh, even last week, we had some feedback last week when I when I spoke about conflict. Um, and of course, you don't stay. ...and try and deal with conflict if there is violence involved. So I just wanted to say that so that everyone knows that we absolutely believe that. Um, Do you know that men and women speak a different language? Have you travelled to another country? Obviously you haven't done that recently. But sometime in the distant past, think about it. You travelled maybe to another country... And have you felt totally lost when you heard the people there speaking and thought, I have no idea what they're saying? Men and women speak a different language. They speak differently and they hear differently. They hear the same words but they have a different meaning. Here you go. Women, when they say, I have nothing to wear, it means I have nothing new. Men, when they say, I have nothing to wear, it means I have nothing clean. We speak a different language. One of the wonders of the marriage relationship is trying to figure out what our spouse is actually saying. I've got a scripture here for you. It's Philippians 2, 3 to 4, and it says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Now, this is, I would say, my go-to scripture that sums up the marriage relationship for me. Marriage is about each partner putting aside selfishness and being humble enough to prefer the other and look out for their interests, not just my own interest. Looking out for Paul's interests, not just my own interests. So when I am folding the clothes, he likes his clothes rolled. I like my clothes folded. And it takes more time to roll his clothes. But I'm looking for him, that's important. He loves me by not making me go and eat Indian food. There's some little gems for you there, how to have a good marriage. Now, I have a few points here today that I hope will help your marriage. Paul's spoken about some of them. Be best friends is my first point. The quality of our marriage... The quality of our marriage, are we all good, Zach? Yep, great. Um, Can be brought down to this very simple thing, our friendship. It's about the quality of our friendship, how we maintain our friendship, our intimacy, our emotional connection. So Paul and I, as he's already said, we both have good friends, but we are best friends. If something good happens, the first person I want to tell is Paul. If something bad happens, the first person I want to tell is Paul. When God brought the first man, Adam, his spouse, he brought him not just a lover, but the friend his heart had been seeking. Genesis 2.18 says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So everything else up until that point in creation was good, but this situation wasn't. Everything... Um, There was something missing. God made Eve for Adam. And he said, "I I will make him a helper. You know, that word is strong helper. Strong helper is actually what it means. It's not just someone to assist him with something that he can already do. But a strong helper makes up for what might be missing or what might be lacking. And that word suitable for him actually means this. It means opposite to him. So God made Eve as someone who was opposite to Adam but would come alongside him to strengthen him. Proverbs 2.17 speaks of the spouse as a special confident or best friend. That's what our spouse is supposed to be, the special confident and best friend. Friendships are nurtured and grown through many ways. So how are you nurturing your marriage relationship? Are you doing it at least, least as much or more? hopefully, than your other relationships. How are you doing that? Paul and I are renovating our house that we're living in. And uh, our family home is empty at the moment. And he's been over there for the last few Saturdays. And I'm not as useful as I used to be because I have a problem with my back. I've got a shoulder thing going on. And so I'm not as much use. But I don't want him to be over there on a Saturday all by himself. So I go over and do the things that i can do just because i want to nurture our relationship so be best friends second thing prioritize your relationship over all others which i think paul has talked about so i won't go into great detail um we have mates he has mates i have girlfriends we have parents siblings children but none of them are the priority Our relationship is the priority. So uh, we go away together by ourselves. We always have. We have dates. We do things together, just the two of us. We search out ways that we can do things together. This doesn't mean that we have to live in each other's pockets, but it doesn't mean we live two separate lives and are nothing more than just flatmates. Okay, third thing. Know what's important to your spouse. That scripture in Philippians um, that I read out, talks about having their interests as more important than your own. If something is important to Paul, it has to be important to me. Even if it isn't important to me, I can't just dismiss it as unimportant because I don't think it matters. If it matters to him, it matters. We've had many a robust, robust conversation with our renovations because he has things that are important to him, and I think, oh, that's not important. And I'm, I have things that are important to me. And he probably thinks, well, that's not important. We have to know what's important to them and think about it. I know what makes Paul mad and glad. I know how he feels loved and what I can do to drive a wedge between us. Let's not do that. Next point, I've got two more quick thoughts. Fight for your marriage. Outside influences and inside influence influences my last point is about outside influences but I want to talk about one major inside influence what goes on in our mind when we think of our spouse when we look at think about talk about each other we can develop a negative mindset scanning for their mistakes and we will find them and that will make us irritable and annoyed. You know, studies have shown that if we're in a negative mindset in our relationship, it will actually distort our reality. We'll even begin to see things that are positive that our partner is saying or doing as negative. In fact, studies say that 50% of the positive things they are doing or trying, we won't even see. So rather than focusing on their negative, don't pretend it's not there, but we can look at what's going right. And we can appreciate that. You know, I remember a time uh, that I found really difficult in our marriage. This is numbers of years ago. And I had to make a, a conscious decision to start focusing on the positive because there were so many positive things. There were so many great things. And as I started to do that, what came out of my mouth changed. And as that happened, things actually got better and better and better in our marriage. The last one is... Take your spouse with you wherever you go. Now, obviously, you're not doing that physically, but we need to do that in our hearts. Hebrews 13.4 says, Give honour to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. You know, for the first 30 years of our marriage, we did not work together, which is probably why we got to 30 years. That's a joke. Paul's laughing. Um, But some weeks we hardly saw each other but paul was always with me and i was always with him so what i say how i act what i look at they he is always with me because he's my husband so if there are relationships in our world in my world that don't actually build up my marriage that tear down my marriage that relationship has to go you know i had you know i've had a couple of situations i remember being at an event and there was a photo opportunity happening and a whole heap of us were getting into a photo and i i just came up to get into this photo and there was a guy standing sitting there and i just sat down and he put his arm around me and he scooted me really close to him like in personal space and i was first of all very shocked and i just I just looked at him and I went, where's Paul? And as soon as I said that, the arm dropped, he moved away. Paul was off talking to a mate. He came over. And the reason I said that was because I wanted him to know that I was married to Paul and he's the only one that gets to do that. I have other, other I'm run out of time, I have other examples. But Proverbs 31 says this, the heart of her husband trusts in her as a wife that is my scripture the heart of her husband trusts in her he will have no lack of gain so let's do those things let's be one what were my quick quick points here be best friends prioritize your relationship over others know what's important to your spouse fight for your marriage and take them wherever you go Okay, guys, we hope that that's blessed you. I know not everyone who's watching today is married, but there's always things that we can learn, whether we're married or not. Now, we've been talking about relationships, and as we finish up today, the most important relationship is our relationship with Jesus Christ. And you may not have a relationship with Jesus, and if you don't, then we want to give you that opportunity today. So right now up on the screen is a prayer is coming and um, <clears throat> I would love you just to read if you would like to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, why don't you do that right now by praying that prayer out loud. I really hope that you pray it out loud. Before <clears throat> uh, I just want to pray for our marriages really quickly before I hand back to Trish. So Father, I ask in Jesus name that you would touch every marriage, for the people that are listening today, Lord, that you would bless it, strengthen it. Father, that your anointing would come upon it. And for those that whose marriages are in pain and difficulty, I ask for healing. Lord, for those who are not married that are desiring to be married, I ask that you would bring a spouse. Father, thank you. Thank you for your grace over our marriages in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Thanks for listening. We hope to see you in church again this weekend. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au